Good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Hallelujah. Let's stand and worship the Lord. Put your hands together. Jesus. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call. Is it true that you are thinking of me? That you love me? It's amazing. Who am I? Who am I that you are mindful? You 
Oh 
and we thank you today for it. Father, we know that even as we honor fathers today, there are many among us who do not have their fathers. They may have their fathers, but relation is really strained at this point. And I know, Lord, maybe like no other time during the course of the year, this is a very painful time for many. And I pray, Father, that today they would look to you as their father, a father who loves them, a father who cares for them, a father that, as we have already said, has never abandoned them, has never failed them, and will be faithful to them as they trust in you alone. And I pray, Father, that today, above all else, you would be magnified, that you would be glorified, for our help comes from the Lord. No matter what we're facing in life, Lord, the answer is in you. And we praise you and we adore you this morning. Glorify your name today, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Father, together we bow before you and we pray collectively for those members of Emmanuel M.E. Church, Lord, there in South Carolina. And I pray, Father, that today you would meet them in a very special way. That, Lord, you would comfort those who grieve. That, Lord, you would give them the oil of joy for mourning. And that, Father, through this time of great tragedy, your name would be exalted. Your name would be lifted up. And that men and women across this country would recognize that the only hope for America is Jesus Christ and returning to your principles in Jesus' mighty name. Glorify your name today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Would you give the Lord praise in this house today? Bless the Lord. Amen. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. It's good to be here. We're so glad you could be here. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads 
here this morning. How many fathers do we have? Lift up your hands if you are a daddy here today. Come on, ladies, let's congratulate all of our fathers and show our appreciation love to them. So glad you could be here today in the house of the Lord. We're going to recognize some special fathers in just a moment, but we want to welcome all of you here to the house of the Lord. So glad you could take some time to be with us today. If you are a first-time guest, our prayer is that you would just sit back and enjoy the presence of the Lord as we celebrate His goodness and His faithfulness in our lives. And uh, we know there are many places you could have been today, but today you chose to be with us in the house of the Lord, and we're so glad you did so. I'd like to draw your attention to the program that you received when you first came in. At the very bottom, there is a perforated card that serves as our Connect card. And if this is your first time with us, we'd like you to fill out the information that is on that Connect card, tear it away, and immediately after the service, when you leave the main doors of our multi-purpose room, on the right-hand side, you'll see our hospitality center. And if you take that card there, they will give you a few gifts, just a small way of saying thank you for being with us in the house of the Lord. And we hope that this is not your last time. We hope you come back and see us again real soon. Also, if this is your second or third time, and uh, you know, you're just continuing to be a part of here at Bethel, there's a place for you to mark on that same card your second or your third visit. We just want to kind of track you and see uh, how long you've been coming. We're just glad that you could be here. So if you could do that, just mark it. You can write your information again, tear it away. And when the offering is being taken, you can just slip that in just to remind us that you're with us here again. And we just love having you here. Let's welcome all of our first-time guests, our second and our third-time guests. So glad you could be with us today. Some of you probably received the email because we have your information. Others of you may have received our text alert. But, uh, you know, throughout the course of the second half of the week after this terrible tragedy at the AME, I was having a hard time getting that out in my prayer, but the AME uh, Emmanuel Church down in South Carolina, um, my heart was just stirred. I really didn't know uh, what we should do. I don't knew. I didn't know what we could do. I just knew that we needed to do something, because an attack on one body is an attack on all bodies of Christ in Jesus' name. And uh, I believe that this was racial, but I believe it was an attack on Christian faith in general. And I just think that it's time for us to stand together. And so what we're going to do here today is we're going to take a special offering. And 100%, I guarantee you this, we're going to take a cut. 100% of what comes in today, we are going to make one check out. And we are going to send it to the AME, Emmanuel Baptist Church down there in uh, South Carolina. And we're just going to tell them, you use this as you see fit. Um, I, I don't know how many of you were watching CNN this morning. I, I turned it on just to find out any latest developments there. And uh, I turned it on just in time to listen to one of the reporters of CNN speaking to the brother um, of a uh, his sister was killed on Wednesday night. She would be celebrating her 55th birthday. It was either today or sometime this week. I can't remember. And she was gunned down on Wednesday night. And the reporter said, I can't imagine what you feel like. He said, you know, what do you feel this morning being in the house of God? They opened up their doors this morning. And he said, joy. And the reporter did. He just said, joy. 
Like he just could not get it. And he said, yes, my sister is celebrating her birthday with Jesus in heaven. Wow. You know, just, and the CNN reporter just could not catch his breath. He could not believe. And he he said, he said, this is why we serve Jesus Christ. I am rejoicing today. I miss my sister, but she is with the Lord. There was no sense of anger or bitterness in his heart. And I am just thankful that Jesus is getting playtime on national news today. And they see the hope that we have in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. So uh, we want you just to reach down, give your best gift. And again, just remember, we are going to write out one check um, that will go directly to uh, the AME Church, Emmanuel, in South Carolina. So uh, during our greeting time, you can just bring it up here. Um, this is separate from your tithe and offering, I may remind you, okay? This is above and beyond, but whatever you give today is going to go to help them in whatever they see fit, whether it's help people to be buried, whether it's to provide uh, financial help for some of these families, whatever it is, we're going to tell them it's in their hands, but I know that this is what the Lord would have us do. So just take a couple of minutes, greet one another, and just bring your offerings to the front. God bless you. everyone and happy Father's Day to all of our dads joining us this morning. We want to welcome you to Bethel House of God where we are loving the Father, living the Word, and embracing the world. Welcome home.
If you have recently been attending Bethel, we want to invite you to our Dinner with the Pastors taking place July 12th, following the 11 o'clock service. This is a great opportunity to connect with the leadership team here at Bethel and hear a little more about our heart and vision. You can sign up at the Hospitality Center. Vacation Bible School is coming up July 20th to the 24th, and we need your help. Be a part of an incredible week as we host close to 300 children from across our community and share both the gospel and the love of Christ. Registration for kids is also opening today as well. This year's theme is Everest, so grab your climbing gear and sign up at the Hospitality Center to be part of this awesome adventure. Our final Sunday night discipleship classes for this summer will be next Sunday, June 28th at 6 p.m. Again, happy Father's Day to all our dads. Thanks for all that you do. Just a reminder, there are no evening services tonight. Enjoy your evening with friends and family. Make sure you check your morning program or our website at BethelChristianCenter.net for more information on everything taking place here at Bethel House of God. At this time, please take a moment to silence your cell phones as our ushers prepare to receive our regular Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And as the ushers are coming, we're just going to take a moment and recognize a couple of our very special fathers here today. And uh, we recognize all of our dads, but we always look for an opportunity to recognize a couple of the more special ones, if you will. And our first one is going to go to our most mature father, which is just the politically correct way of saying the oldest dad. And uh, I was told that there was going to be a dad here who was 89 years old. So we'll have to start the bidding at 89. If you are 89 or older, could you stand? I don't mean this wrong. If you can stand. Um, you know, is, is there anyone 89 or older? There he is. Paul, you are 89 years old. World War II vet. <laughs> Amen. Paulie doesn't talk about it. He is a World War II veteran, fought the Battle of the Bulge. And uh, great man, great man. Love you, Paul. Give him another great hand. Love you, Bless the Lord. And then the last one that we want to give out is the dad who has become the, the newest dad, if you will, the newest baby that was born. And I, I'm not good with this. Um, anyone had a baby within the last year? Let's put it that way. Here we've got right here. And, and you are all alone. <laughs> You're great. Let's give him a hand. Let's give dad a hand here. Another great military brother. Flies helicopters. And uh, he protects our borders. So let's thank him very much. Amen. How fitting. Bless the Lord. God bless you for your giving. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to give today. We pray that we would give cheerfully from our heart. We thank you for these precious dads, all of them. We pray that you would just glorify your name in their lives. I pray that they would seek your face every day because without you they can't be. The fathers are called to be. The grandfathers are called to be. Glorify your name in them. Glorify your name in our giving today, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. God bless you as you give.
the dead, and who can save us from our sin? He is our hope, our righteousness. Jesus, only Jesus. Bye. 
Amen. How many of you know Jesus is our only hope? Amen. Bless the Lord. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray one more time. Father, again, we thank you that we have hope only in you. And I pray, Father, that we would hear your word today with open hearts and receive it, I pray. Glorify your name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Would you give the Lord praise in his house one more time? Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell him you love him. In Jesus' name, bless God. I don't know that anyone would really argue with me this morning when I say that the United States of America is in real trouble. Uh, We are unraveling even as we speak. And it is hard to imagine where our nation is today. We are coming apart at the seams. We are tailspinning out of control. We are falling apart emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, uh, morally, ethically. We have lost all sense of direction. And if something doesn't happen soon... I'm afraid that we are going to find ourselves in an irretrievable position, that there is nothing that can be done to save us but to crash and burn. You know, observation that was made many, many years ago by a French reporter was that the secret to America's greatness was America's goodness. And the observation went on to say that if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And I believe that America has ceased to be a good nation by and large. And for that reason, we are not a great nation any longer. We may be a powerhouse. We may still be a force to reckon with in, in some regard, but, but we're just not a great nation anymore. We, we are, and I love the United States. I'm proud to be an American, but at the same time, I just have to be true. We are not a great nation any longer because we are no longer committed to being good before the Lord. And so the question really is, what will it take to set things right? If they can be set right, what will it take? What what is it going to take to heal our land, to restore the United States of America to its greatness? Well, you know that I have long believed that the church is the hope of the whole world. How many of you still believe that today, that the local church is the hope of the whole world? And I know some of you still struggle with that because you say Jesus is the hope of the whole world. That's right. But Jesus works exclusively through his body, the church of the living God. Jesus himself said, Upon the rock of your confession that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Only the church can do battle with what is really happening in the United States of America today and is guaranteed to win as long as they are directed by our chief and commander, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. But I also believe that a critical, a crucial piece to the recovery of this nation, and hear me on this, will be men manning up and returning to biblical masculinity and manhood in Jesus' name. 
I believe that, yes. If you believe it, say amen as well. I believe that the hope of the world is the local church, but another key piece to the recovery of this nation will be men manning up and returning to biblical masculinity, biblical manhood. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I don't know a man who as a little boy did not have a man, a hero, an idol that they looked up to and they wanted to be like, that they looked up to and dreamed of being like them one day. Now some of you like me, you had a wonderful relationship with your father and your father was your role model, your father was your uh, idol, you looked up to him, you wanted to be just like your father one day. But I also know that that's not the testimony of all of you. That even though you love your dad, it was a strained relationship at best, and you never wanted to be like your father. And that's why Father's Day can be a very difficult day for so many people because they just did not have that kind of a relationship with their dad. But I know some of you had a relationship with your father where your dad was your role model and you wanted to be just like dad. We get that. But this morning as we are just talking, I'm not talking about our heroes at home. I'm talking about our heroes and our idols beyond our home, beyond our family. For some of you, it may have been uh, an athlete. It may have been a baseball player. It may have been a basketball player, a hockey player. It may have been a football player. Probably wasn't a golfer, but it was... An athlete nonetheless, and you looked up to that athlete and you said, this is what it means to be a man, and you wanted to shape your life after them. In fact, you were so impressed with their on-field, on-court persona that you did your best as a little boy to mimic that. You tried to hit like them, throw like them, tackle like them, pass like them to just kind of carry yourself in that way because you looked up to that man as a man and you wanted to shape your life after them. For others of you, it may have been a a very famous actor. It may have been someone like John Wayne or Robert Mitchum or uh, maybe a little later, Cary Grant. Maybe uh, it was someone like... Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger or Bruce Willis or Don Johnson, but there was an actor that just really captured your imagination and you said, you know, I want to be like them because that is the man. That, that is how you should be. And, and you tried to model yourself after them. For some of you, it may have been a little bit more realistic. It may have been a local hero, a fireman. Uh, a police officer. There was someone that really grabbed your attention when you were young and you were growing up and you wanted to be just like them. And for others of you, it may have even been a a rock star and, and you looked at their rock and roll lifestyle and said, that is what it's like to be a man. And when I grow up, I want to be like that. And so we were influenced by these various heroes and idols and we tried to dress like them, talk like them, act like them. We wanted to behave like them because obviously we thought they were the definition of a man. 
that a man is athletic, that a man is strong, that he is tall, dark, and handsome, that he's chiseled, that he's cut, that he is a fighter, that he takes nothing from anyone, and at the end, he always ends up with the pretty lady, and he always has many of them. What is interesting is that as you get a little older, you realize that not every man is like that, nor should they be like that. Because none of the characteristics that I mentioned and others like them, in and of themselves, suggest masculinity. In fact, some of those characteristics are characteristics of little boys and immature ones at that. You begin to realize that they're just the same little selfish, self-centered boy, but they just now live in a big body. But they're immature, and they've never really grown up. Can I hear an amen out of that? You know what I'm talking about. They may be six foot eight and cut and ripped, but they're still a little selfish boy who's only concerned about themselves. I think that every man at some point has to become comfortable within his own skin. Uh, Every man has to become comfortable within their own context. And this is to say that not every man is going to be rugged. Not every man is going to be athletic. Not every man is going to love sports. Not every man is going to be a hunter and an outdoorsman. Not every man is going to go off to the battlefield and fight wars. Not every man is going to be tall, dark, and handsome. Not every man is going to have all the pretty ladies. But there are qualities of being a man that are more important than that. You know, not, not all of us are going to live out our dreams. I mean, listen, I, I grew up in northern Maine. And, you know, many of my friends were hunters. And I just never was a hunter. I love shooting guns. I don't own a gun. I'm not morally convicted, you know, of not having a gun. There's, there's nothing wrong with that as far as I'm concerned. I like shooting guns. I like setting up targets and shooting. And I enjoy that. But I'm not a hunter. I, I just never got into it. I never enjoyed going out for hours and hours and hours and seeing nothing. I just would rather set up a target and shoot it. I, I, that was the way I was. So I was never a hunter. I, I never got into it. I never got into fishing. And, and I was never an outdoorsman in northern Maine where everyone was an outdoorsman. Um, I, I was one that liked acting. I liked drama. I liked music. I enjoyed singing and playing instruments. That's where I shine. I love sports, and I could hold my own, but I certainly wasn't a jock, so my identity wasn't out of that either. And I have to admit that in high school, it it was hard sometimes kind of feeling where I fit in because, you know, so many men were this way, but I wasn't that way. And so I just had to kind of work through things until finally I just said, that's not who I am, but I can still be a man inside of who I am. I can still be a man within the context of my own gifts and my own talents and abilities. And that's what we're saying here today. Not every man is going to be tall, dark, and handsome, but every male can be a man within the context of their own gifts and their own abilities. Because there are qualities of being a man that are infinitely more impressive than the ability to dunk a ball and hold your own in a fight and being rugged and athletic. 
Let's be honest. Our nation is falling apart today, not because we do not have enough men that can dunk a basketball. Our nation is falling apart today, not because we do not have enough men that are tall, dark, and handsome. Our world is falling apart today, not because we don't have men that can throw a hundred yards. We're, we're falling apart as a nation, not because we do not have enough men who can bed thousands of women in a lifetime. In fact, that's contributing to the demise of the United States of America. We are falling apart in this country because we don't know how to be men. Because we don't have honor, because we don't have integrity, because we do not know how to stand up and resist what is destroying our nation. We've got to understand that this is what is happening. We don't know how to be godly men. When Israel was in need of a king, God sent out the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse to anoint one of his sons. You know the story well. And as the sons approached Samuel, he took one look at the oldest son, who was Eliab, and I don't know what he saw because the Bible is silent on it, but whatever he did see, it was so impressive that just looking at him one time, Samuel said, surely this is God's anointed man. But I love what God said to Samuel. He says, don't look at his appearance. Don't look at his height. Don't look at his stature because I have refused him. I do not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In other words, he was saying, Samuel, stop being this, this shallow individual that measures a man by his outward appearance, that measures a man by his charisma, that marries a man and buys into this concept of man and measures him by his height, by his stature, by his appearance. He says there's more important things than just the outward appearance. It's having a heart after Almighty God. Don't measure a man because he is athletic. Measure a man because he has a heart after God. And he knew that because the nation was already suffering from King Saul, who we are told stood head and shoulders above the tallest Israelite in that day, was, chariz- was filled with charisma, was an incredible warrior, and knew how to lead men into battle, but he did not have a heart after God. And he said, we're not going to do that again. We're going to look for a man who's got honor. We're going to look for a man with integrity. We're going to look for a man who loves God and loves his family. And I am not looking at the outward. I'm looking into the very heart. And that is what we have got to decide, men, that we are not worried about what we look like in the mirror. We're worried about what we look like before an almighty God because that is the man that God uses in Jesus' mighty name. You know, there's an interesting portion of Scripture that actually draws this out, and we're going to look at that this morning. But before we do, ladies, I, I want to talk to you for a few moments because I know that the temptation right now is to just check out for a while and say, well, he's talking to the men, so I'm not going to listen. But I'm going to tell you why it is important for you to listen to everything we're going to talk about today. It's important so that you might know what God has called men to and encourage that and expect that out of us. Thank you, ladies. 
You need to know what men are called to, and you need to encourage that in us, and you need to hold us accountable to it. You need to expect that from us. Because I'm going to tell you, ladies, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. There is nothing that motivates men more than hearing the need of their wife or their daughter that they need daddy, that they need their husband. There is nothing that man responds more to than when he hears the cry of his wife. We want to help you. It's just that now, women, it's not chic to ask help from a man. We need to hear your cry. There's nothing that motivates us more than when we feel that you need us. And that's why you need to know these things, so you can encourage it and even expect it out of us. Listen, ladies, you're created in the image of God, so that means you are extremely valuable in the eyes of the Lord, so you should never treat yourself uh, cheaply by settling out when you can have God's best in your life. Ladies, let me be true to you. If you set the bar too low, here's what'll happen. You'll find plenty of boys who can shave that are willing to step over the two-inch bar that you've set for them, but they will not be a man for you. But if you expect more from us, more often than not, men will rise to the occasion and we will be the men that God has called us to be. Single ladies especially, listen to me. If you say to your boyfriend, you know what, I like the way you look, I enjoy your company at times, but I don't like the way you treat me, I don't like the way you act, I don't like the way you carry yourself, I don't like the way you behave, I don't like the way you spend money, I don't like the way you talk about my mother and my father, thanks but no thanks. And he says, but baby, and you say, but baby, nothing. If you don't grow up, I'm walking out. Because again, I like how you look, but it's going to be more than looks that's going to carry this young lady. Come on, ladies, talk to me. You start talking to a guy like that, and he's either going to rise to the occasion, go back to maturation school and grow up, or he's going to leave you. And that's fine. Let him be somebody else's problem. Don't wreck your life for the sake of companionship. If you need companionship, get a puppy. If you set the bar at puberty level, I promise you there'll be a herd of immature baby boys that'll line up at your door. You don't need to babysit anymore. You need a man to take care of you. I know all the men are going to hate me, but the ladies are going to love me. Come on, ladies, talk to me. Raise that bar up. I grew up in the 80s with Bonnie Tyler crying out, I'm holding out for a hero. Hold out for a hero, ladies. Hold out for a man who knows how to be a man and not a little boy in a man's body. 1 Corinthians. Yeah, we're going to get to the Word of God. Here's what the, so ladies, listen to us today. 1 Corinthians 16, listen to what Paul says, verse 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like a man. Be strong, 
Let all that you do be done in love. I love that portion of scripture. And in it, Paul is calling all Christians, not just men, but we're going to speak specifically to men today. But he calls all Christians to act like men. So obviously, in Paul's mind, there was a way of a man that everyone should seek to be. Paul, I believe, if he were standing here 2015 on Father's Day, would say, gentlemen, act like a man. Man up. Get your man card on and be the man in this hour. And if there was ever a time when we needed to hear this rallying call, it is a day that we live in. How many more shootings are we going to see before men start saying, i got to take back this country? And it's going to start in my home. I mean, how many more ridiculous things are we going to have to see show up in the United States of America before men just say, this is happening on my watch. i got to be the man that God called me to be. Sad thing is that we live in a culture that is trying to remove any and all distinction of male and female. It is a culture that says we are all one and there are no distinctives. Now listen, in the eyes of God, salvation is available to everyone. We know that. And in the eyes of God, it makes it very clear that there is no distinction between male and female. In other words, we all have access to salvation through Jesus Christ. But as far as order is concerned, as far as leadership is concerned, God made men to be men, and he made women to be women. And there are distinctions. And we've got to understand that. And what's sad is that men and women today get offended if you say, be a man, act like a man, grow up. No, instead they say, get in touch with your feminine side. Or you need to get in touch with your inner sister. And all of these are meant to feminize men and to undermine masculinity. And so is it any wonder that we have people mutilating their body to change their sex. This past week, Miley Cyrus, that great philosopher, (laughs) she stands up and boldly declares, my body parts mean nothing. I am gender fluid. If I want to be a man today, I'll be a man today. If I want to be a lady tomorrow, I'll be a lady tomorrow. Who are you to tell me that my body parts actually are dictating whether I'm a male or a female? I'll be whatever I want to be. And that goes on and no one says anything about it. When all of us instinctively know that's wrong. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, that should nauseate you. That that is the world that we live in today. We live in a culture that says, Pastor Kerr, you can't talk like that. You know, you're going to crush their little spirits. These are little boys. Come over here, you poor thing. I can't believe you go to a church where a pastor talks like that. That's just terrible. When is someone going to stand up and say, act like a man? You're a man. Be a man. We get offended by that. Now listen, I'm not saying that men are not to be sensitive. 
Because I believe that a true man of God is sensitive. And I'm not saying that, that a man does not feel emotion and does not weep and cry. I've got that cornered. I mean, I mean, listen, you, you've all been in this church long enough to know that I have no problem breaking down and crying and weeping. And any of you that think that that is not a man, you need to take that issue up with Jesus himself. Because Jesus was the manliest man that ever walked on the face of this planet. And yet he wept at this tomb of his best friend Lazarus, and he wept at a nation that had rejected him. Jesus was a man's man, and yet he wept. In fact, I believe I can't really trust a man who has never shed a tear. And you say, Pastor, I've never cried. What do I do? Get into the closet and ask God to break your heart and let the tears fall again because that shows you that you are a man. In Jesus' name. I'm not saying that we can't be sensitive. I'm not saying that we don't experience pain, that we don't go through challenges I'm not saying that at all, but what I am saying, and we don't hear this enough, is that guys, every once in a while, we got to get into each other's face and say, suck it up and be a man. I know life is tough, but you can't sit there and cry about it. Be a man and say, by the grace of God, I'm going to get through this for the glory and the honor of his great kingdom. Come on, let me hear some amens out of the men. Not, not, the, not the ladies. Men, can I hear you say amen? amen? We need to hear this. I know ladies, you think I'm really tough, but guys need this. We like this. We like somebody really getting in our face and saying, be a man. Grow up and do what God has called you to do. And this is exactly what Paul is saying. Act like men. As you go through this portion of scripture, it's interesting that all of the descriptions that he gives are actually military terms. Paul is actually drawing from the life of a soldier in addressing the Christians. So Paul is like a drill sergeant standing before men and says, act like men, be the man. And he's using military terms to remind us that we are, in fact, in a battle. Men, if you don't know it, you are in a battle for your mind. You are in a battle for your soul. You are in a battle for your family, for your kids, in a battle for your wife, in a battle for your country, in a battle for your freedom. This is war. We are in a fight. This is not a game. This is not for kids. We're not just going through drills. We're in the war. It's not for the faint of heart. Paul is saying you've been called by God. Now you've got to be the man and you've got to fight the good fight of faith every day in Jesus' name. So what are the characteristics of godly manhood, of godly masculinity? Number one, godly men are watchful. Paul says, be watchful. Godly men learn to be watchful. They learn to be vigilant. Soldiers are always alert. They're always watchful. They are always vigilant. Why? Because they've been trained to know there is an enemy, even if they don't see that enemy, and they know what is at stake. 
At times I've had lunch with soldiers and with others that have served in the military and even those that no longer serve. It's interesting, their eyes are always moving because they've been trained to always look for an enemy because they know there's something at stake. And as soldiers, men, we must always know there is an enemy And what is at stake? As we said a moment ago, we are in a fight. We are in a spiritual battle for our lives, for the lives of our children, the lives of our wives, the lives of our little girls, of our little boys. And we need men who are watchful because they know there is an enemy even if they cannot see him and they know what is at stake. When he says be watchful, the idea that he was trying to convey is that of a watchman who would stand on the wall and would watch the horizon for invading troops. It was his responsibility to forego sleep, to forego fun, to forego excitement and thrill, and to stand there and constantly survey the horizon for an impending attack so that he could sound the alarm if necessary and spare the city. And I want you to know, men, that we have been appointed watchmen in this country. Watchmen in our homes if you're married. Watchmen over your children if you're a dad today. And we need to start training even our little boys how to lay aside their preferences and be watchmen. To walk through their schools and watch. To walk through their campuses and watch. We have been put in that position to have eyes that are constantly moving because we see an enemy and we sometimes don't see our enemy and we know what is at stake. Can I tell you guys, it is time for us to start sounding the alarm. Men are to be standing at the gate of our homes. We're supposed to be standing in front of our TV sets, in front of our computer computer monitors, in front of our children and their earphones and their cell phones, and we are the ones that say, this is in, this is out. You can go here, you can't go there. You can't date him, you can date her. It's our responsibility, and I know some of you don't like that, but that's what our position is, to stand and say, I see something, you don't, and it will crush you. Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'm going to tell you folks, there is a very real enemy who has come for no other reason but to steal, to kill, and destroy. And sometimes, men, the only thing that separates the enemy from your family is you. And you need to stand on that wall, and you got to say to them, you want me on that wall, you need me on that wall, because I am providing a blanket of security for you. You may not always agree with me, but I'm giving you safety. And you say, but you don't know my wife, Pastor. You don't know my kids. If I started acting like that, they'd hate me. Then let them hate you. They may disagree with you, but you got to be a man, and you can do it with tenderness. But you got to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I'm, you know, I'm a leader, and I know that sometimes leading, i got to make decisions that are not popular. And some people, they don't like them so much that they leave the church, and I don't like that. And it breaks my heart, but I know that I wasn't called to win friends and influence people. I was called to be a watchman over this congregation and to provide safety. And that's what God called you to be, man. To stand and do what is right. And to say to them, you may not agree with me, you may hate me for a moment, but I see a storm coming, but I'm building an ark. And when the storm comes and we make it, you'll be thanking me that I took my position and I took it seriously. In Jesus' name. I was just looking at that word watch and there's another place that it was used. And I just want to read this very quickly and we'll move on. But in Matthew chapter 26, it was the night that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus said to his disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and he prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and he found them asleep and he said, what could you not watch? That's that same word with me one hour. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus in his humanity said, I am being so pressed by what is coming upon me at this point, I think I'm gonna die. And the only way I'll get strength is spending time with the Lord. But he says, I want you to come with me. And I want you to watch and pray with me. I need you to hold my hands up. Because no one can fight this battle but me, Jesus was saying. But I need someone to take my back and pray with me. And I just couldn't help but feel like there is a generation of women. There's a generation of young boys and young girls that are under the severe pressure of living in this world today. And they do not know how to handle it. And they're coming to their dads. And they're coming to their husbands and they're saying watch with me and pray but we're too busy watching football and we're too busy enamored with sports and entertainment and we're falling asleep where our sons and our daughters and our wives are dying men it's time to take your place and watch and pray to see your family win in Jesus mighty name Number two, godly men stand firm. They stand firm. This was a military term, and I love this one. Because this term was used for describing a soldier who kept rank. Who held the line. Who stayed in position in light of the command. In other words, they took no thought of who was coming after them. They were told to hold the line so that they would not be flanked. And if they die trying, they will die. But they will not compromise their position. And that's the word that he's saying. Godly men stand firm. That godly men stand fast and they do not desert or abandon the truth of Christ in light of an approaching enemy or an impending attack. They say, God told me to stand here and I'm going to stand here. And if I die standing here, I die standing here. But I'm holding the line and I am standing in the faith. We are to stand firm in the faith. He's not talking here about 
fighting for your faith in God to keep it from wavering. He's talking about fighting for the faith, standing in the faith, in the truth of God's word. In other words, he's saying, do not compromise it. In an age of relativism, where there are no absolute rights and wrongs, what he's saying is stand and hold the line and say, no, I don't care whether it's politically correct or not. This is what the Word of God says. And I'm holding the line so that we're not flanked by the enemy, but there is still a standard of righteousness lifted high. In Jesus' name. We're to be men who do not compromise the truth because it's not popular, because it might be scorned, because we might be mocked, because we might lose our job, because we might one day be persecuted. We stand and say, come what may, I will not compromise the word of God. Which means we need men who know how to study God's word. That study the word of God and hide it in their heart that they would not sin against him. I love what Jude wrote in verses 3 and 4 of his letter. There were no chapters in it, but he says this, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. That word contend literally means to fight like a combatant. He says, I want you to contend. I want you to fight like a combatant earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. In other words, there's only one gospel. It doesn't alter and fluctuate from generation to generation. It's one gospel for all time. And for certain men who have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who have turned the grace of our God into lewdness, or have turned the grace of God into a license to sin, and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude says, contend men earnestly for the faith. Fight like a combatant for the word of God. Because he said there are people that have crept in, that have turned God's grace into a license to sin. And that's what's happening in the United States of America today. God loves everybody. And who are you to judge this behavior and this activity? No, we stand as men and we say, it doesn't matter what the president says. It doesn't matter what Congress signs into action. This is against the laws of Almighty God. You can take my life, but I'm holding the line. In Jesus' mighty name. Number three, godly men are mature. Godly men are mature. Act like men, Paul said, and that literally means to act mature or to act courageously. Just as soldiers have to be brave and courageous as they stand in battle, so we must stand brave and courageous, mature men on this spiritual line. Men, let's be honest. It's hard. It's frightening today to raise children. I, I'm, I'm thankful that my children are, are really grown now. I can't imagine the courage it takes to raise small children in the day that we live in. It's frightening to lead a family. It's frightening to speak up today. It's frightening to say, I will not compromise. But it's our responsibility. Paul says, act like a man. Suck it up. Accept the hardships. 
and be the man. It's interesting, as little boys, we all dreamed of adventure. I can't be the only little boy that grew up playing, you know, war and, and you know, cops and robbers and Indians and cowboys. I mean, we all grew up playing those things. And we dreamed of adventure and danger and risking our lives. And isn't it interesting, we didn't even mind being the one that died in the end. Like sometimes you would say, I'll die in the end, because there was, there was something noble about giving your life for something that was bigger than you. You may not have had any concept of it, but you at least knew that there was an honorable way to die. Well, not all of us go overseas and fight wars. And not all of us become police officers and risk our lives. But all of us have been called to do battle spiritually. And we've got to be courageous. And we've got to fight this fight, men, for the glory of Almighty God. And risk our lives, even if it calls for it. John Wayne once said, Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. I love that. I don't know one soldier that would say, no, I had no fear going into battle. They would all tell you, I was frightened, but I had to saddle up anyway. And you may not want to be the man, but you've got to be the man and saddle up and ride. In Jesus' name. And that courage only comes from one place. Psalm 27 and verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It only comes in spending time with the Lord. You can't muster up this kind of courage in your own strength. You can't do it. But you can encourage yourself in the presence of God and come out of prayer knowing that your God is for you. And if your God is for you, no one can be against you. In Jesus' name. Number four, godly men are strong. Godly men are strong. And I'm not talking physically, spiritually. They are spiritually strong and fearless. Because it's not physical strength that will undo the evils of this world, but it is spiritual strength. Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness, of, uh, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, our, our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our war is against spiritual forces, demonic forces. What happened Wednesday in South Carolina? Yes, it was a young man that obviously was rebellious against God, but he was being demonically inspired to do what he did. There is an unseen enemy that is working through ungodly men and women. And I don't care if you can bench press 300 pounds, what good is that against a demon spirit? you got to have something more than an ability to bench press. you got to have something more than the ability to dunk a basketball 
or be a, a wild hunter. you got to know your God. And that's why he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because you are no match for the devil. But with God for you, no one can be against you. You and I, men, have got to learn how to pray, to seek God, until we come up with the power of God, where no enemy would want to mess with us, because they know in messing with us, they're messing with Jesus inside of us in Jesus name and that's why Paul said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me I can do what God has called me to do not in my own strength but in the strength of my God and then finally godly men love godly men love you know it's funny love is typically not a word you associate with war but how many soldiers have you spoken to through the years when you ask them, why do you do this? They will tell you, for the love of my country, for the love of my family, for the love of my children, for the love of my wife, for the love of freedom in this country, I risk my life and would gladly give it because love means disinterested benevolence. It means emptied of all selfish motive and intent and focused exclusively upon the object of my affection. And so a soldier going off to war says, emptied of all that I want, I will give my life gladly for the people that I love. And men, that's what we've been called to do. To be emptied of our own selfish desires and focus exclusively upon what is best for God and what is best for our fellow man. And it is for that love for them that we risk our lives and put our lives on the line. Godly men spend a lifetime watching rather than entertaining themselves because they have emptied themselves of all selfish purpose and they focus exclusively upon the lives of those who have been entrusted to them. They stand firm and they hold the line, refusing to compromise the word of God because they have emptied themselves of their own selfish desires and are focused exclusively on what is best for their family and for their country. They are brave and they are courageous even though they may be afraid because they have emptied themselves of a selfish need to live and are willing, if it is necessary, to give their lives for the cause of Christ. They are strong in the Lord and the power of his might and they are willing to fight even the powers of darkness if necessary because they've emptied themselves of their own selfish desires. And that's the kind of love that'll turn our world around. I've said this before. I have a wonderful relationship with my dad. He can be an interesting man at times. What's interesting about my dad is growing up, he could be a fierce, fierce disciplinarian. My dad knew every scripture in the Bible that spoke of, of spanking your child. I think he kept him in a special book right by his bed. My dad never heard of timeout. Timeout from my father was what you called in sports. It was the last thing you ever did in in discipline. My dad got busy with my brother and I on a number of occasions and we gave him reason to get busy with us. 
He was a fierce disciplinarian. But I'll tell you what, he was even a more fierce lover of his boys. I can't remember one night growing up when my dad did not, even into my high school years, when my dad did not come into my room and tuck me in and give me a kiss and say, I love you, Kurt. He loved his boys. So I have told this in the past. When it was a little boy, it was the fear of my dad's wrath that kept me in line. But as I grew older, it was his intense love for me that kept me in line because I didn't want to break my dad's heart. I didn't want to rupture my relationship with him. And that's the way it should be with us, men. We should be known as fierce disciplinarians who do not compromise, who hold the line, but we need to temper that with love like this world has never seen. Because we don't want those who follow us to follow us out of fear. We want them to follow us out of great love because no one ever loved them like dad. Learn to love. Be emptied of your selfish purposes. I can't stand, and I can't stand it either way in the marriage, but I just can't stand when a wife goes to her husband and says, I, I, I need you to be this. And he says, that's not who I am. You're being selfish. You need to be all things for your wife. You need to be all things for your children. We need godly men in this hour. We need godly men who watch. And again, students, you may say, well, this is my responsibility when I'm an, I'm an older man, when I'm married and I have kids. No, no, no. As you walk through your schools, you need to be watchful. You need to be watching for kids who are getting picked on and bullied. And you need to step in. You say, they would crush me. Let them crush you. And then you step in and get crushed again because it's not about you. These people keep picking on people because no one stands up to them. Somebody will be encouraged by your courage even if you get beat up. And they'll join with you next time. You know what I'm saying? We, somebody's got to, we got to stop this. You be watchful. You stand firm in the faith and do not compromise it. No matter whether it's politically correct or not, you say, this is what the word of God says. And I will always, always side with God. You be brave. You be courageous. You be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And you love this world intensely. This is the man that God wants you to be. In Jesus' name. I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed. Billy, would you come? I do want to pray with our dads today. We always do. But before I do that, I'm going to ask every, I'll put it this way, every male, because not every male is a boy yet. And not every, or not every male is a man yet. We know that. But I want all of our males, all of our men, if you will, to just come, young and old, I want you to come to this altar today. Just come right now, quickly. 
I want you just to come and stand here at the front. I believe real men praise the Lord too. How many of you believe that? Amen. We're going to have our ladies join us. Boy, we had a lot of men here today. Praise God. What a wonderful sight. Before we pray, now if you're not a Christ follower, I do not expect you to do this. I don't feel any pressure. But if you are a Christian, if you've given your life to the Lord, God gave you two hands to lift before Him and to praise Him. And I want you as men to lift up your hands. And I'd like you to show ladies how real men praise the Lord. I'd like you to lift, guys, lift up your voice. Don't pray silently. Don't just ask the Lord to help you to be a man after his own heart. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord. Praise him, men. Hallelujah. Father, bless each one of these men today. Encourage them from young to old. Everywhere in between, Lord, help them to be the man in this hour to be part of the solution and not a part of the ongoing problem may we love our wives our daughters our little boys may we love our sisters may we love this country enough that we would give our life to be a part of solving the crisis in the United States of America. Let us be watchful. Let us stand firm without compromise. Help us to be brave in the hour of trial and to be courageous. Help us to hold it together and lean upon you. Help us, Father, I pray, to be lovers our family so that they will follow us because no one will ever love them like we love them. In Jesus' mighty name, help us to praise you every day. Help these men not to be afraid to lift up their hands, to lift up their voices, regardless of what anyone else would say. Say, no, real men praise God. Real men praise their Father in heaven. Because they know without Him they are nothing. But with Him, they are all things in Christ Jesus. Jesus, bless you, Lord. Ladies, come and join your husbands, your brothers, your sons. Just, I know, guys, you're going to have to be a little gracious because they're going to have to squeeze in and among you. But if you've got a significant man here with you, want you to go to him and start praying for him right now. Can we just finish this up by praying for one another? Just pray for your, again, your husband, your brother, your son. Ladies, lift up your voice like we said at the very beginning. If you see, if you happen to see a man by himself, would you grab him and pray with him as well? I don't want if you can, sometimes it's just impossible, but ladies, look around if there's somebody praying by themselves try to pray with them as well in Jesus' name
us, God. Father, thank you for every one of our families that are represented here. Thank you for the family that we have here at Bethel. Father, I I know some of these words were were strong, but it's going to take some great strength to speak into this nation again. We, We can't coddle a nation that has been coddled for so long. There comes a time when you have to sound the alarm. This is not an hour where we can just just pray. It's a time when we have to put legs to our prayers and just believe that in prayer you have strengthened us to say what needs to be said. There's times when what we say is going to be seasoned with mercy. And then there's other times when what we say is going to have to be seasoned with great wrath so that men out of that fear of wrath will run to God. Lord, help us to walk that fine line and to know where it is at all times. Give us discernment. I pray that the men of this church would start rising up and being men of God. That Christianity would not be a part of their life, but it would be their life. That the center of all of their choices and all of their decisions will be the will of God revealed in Scripture. And they wouldn't move a muscle until they know they've heard from on high. Let us be the men that you've called us to be, I ask. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Can we all give the Lord praise here this morning? Amen. Bless God. Love each other. Hug each other. God bless you, everybody. Enjoy your Father's Day. Hope you've enjoyed being in the house of the Lord with us today.